0: You're listening to Scorched, Scorched. a raw, real, and unfiltered podcast about drag racing and motorsports, hosted by the man willing to burn it all down. And now, the man himself, E3 Extreme's own Damon Steinke. This episode of Scorched brought to you by Menser Motorsports, Classic Graphics, MacFab Beadlocks, and Garrett Turbos. Make sure to support those companies that are supporting the Scorched Podcast. Welcome everybody. We are in Ricky's shop this week. And for those of you that don't know, Ricky is obviously one of the, unarguably one of the greatest drag racers um of any century i won't say the 21st or (laughs) 20th anything like that but i had the privilege of coming into ricky's shop today and doing an interview sit down for the uh scorched podcast ricky welcome thank you appreciate it so where do we want to start I mean, there's, could so, be a million places. <laughs> there's so much shit that we could talk about. Um, we could talk
1: about the moonshining. Yeah. <laughs> How has everything been going? Good, good. Uh, it's been a little struggle this year. You know, I mean, uh, rule changes here and there. You know, for me, my main deal is run NHRA, and, you know, luckily the, the sponsors I have now, SoCal and... Uh, Capital Chevrolet and you know, which is Junior Michael, Mark SoCal, and, and, and Mark Stockstead, Steve Vic. Uh, they all understand, and, and Richard, Bale, I gotta say him in Texas, but uh, they all understand where I'm coming from, and and they understand drag racing, which is great. Uh, how the rules go and how the nitrous cars play back and forth with the blowers. So I had a guy, which was Dennis Rafford, called me back in December and committed to me, so said, Ricky, I want to run two races, probably four, but definitely I'll commit to two and probably four for next year. I said, good, because that's the way I helped me run my program. I mean, I need to bring in revenue to keep to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so when this rule change come out about the shift to rule, I mean, Dennis called me the day it come out and I knew as soon as I saw the phone ring, and his name pop up, I knew what it was. And he said, man, we talked to him and he said, "Rig, I, I can't do that. He said, you know, I, I just want to come in, drive, have some fun, leave. I don't have time to go test. You know, and Dennis can drive a pro mod car. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you don't ship these things, you know, every couple of weeks or, you know, 10, 15 races a year, you're not going to be as good as the guy that shifts them all the time. Yeah. So he just, uh, Decided not to do it and I don't blame him. So that lost me a lot of money, Yeah. a lot of money. So when you take out of my program that, it kind of got me where I didn't make a couple of the NHRA races and I went and run PDRL. I've run this series Carolina uh, deal in Darlington. i won a couple of them races. I'm leading the points down there. So that has helped me with my sponsor to be able to go other places and race and be competitive kind of. And, and it's all about advertisement and that's, that's what I'm trying to do for them. So that's helped me a bunch that the sponsor understands what I'm up against. And, um, you know, supposedly, you know, I'm hearing they're going to make a rule change again for Brainerd. And, uh, you know, they've got to. I mean, I know the pro, the, the pro chargers don't like it, but, you know, I didn't like it either when they'd done it to me three out of four years. Yeah. Three out of four years, they changed it on me in 24 hours after the race. They didn't wait six months a year and a half all that so you know if anybody's got a reason to be mad it's me not them they knew when they come in with a new combo if you didn't expect to be hit then you don't have a clue where you're at in this world i mean you don't even know where you are at because you know in this business if you come in and gonna dominate a class with a new combo you're going to be hit and if you do it again you're going to be hit I mean that's the whole thing with nhra and pro modified if they don't keep all these three or four powders competitive then you see what's happened. they've done lost car count big time and hopefully they'll make this rule change you know and and try to keep getting us you know more and more competitive so we can all race you know and and, and i know they like to see nitrous cars there's a lot of nitrous cars out there so hopefully we get back on track here and uh we may be at Brainerd if they make enough rule change. If they don't, I'll just show back up in India and finish the season there, you know. So that's kind of where we're at on that part of the issue, you know, about why I hadn't been at some of the races this year. Uh, some people say, oh, he's boycotting, oh, he's mad. Hey, I've been mad a lot of times because of the rules. I've seen you mad before. You know, yeah, and I've been mad a lot of times, but that didn't mean I didn't go to the race. This is my living. The reason I didn't show up to these races was because of money. You know, it's it's an economical thing. It ain't because I'm mad. You know, a lot of racers stay mad over the rules. But, you know, if you're a racer, you're going to show up. But when you don't have the money to go, then that's when you kind of have to back off. So that's what I had to do. But, uh, you know, Damon, I've, I've supported this NHRA program. There's nobody, nobody that has supported this class more than I have. I won the very first expedition race I ever had in Gainesville, Florida with a brand new Viper. That Viper I had, that was the mm-hmm. first race out for it. I went down, it actually was a rain out race. I had the Corvette, so I had the Viper. I just got it, I hadn't even tested when it rained out. So we come home, test it one day, went back the next week and you can do that with another car when it rained out. I went back the next week and won to race for the brand new race car, you know, down there. So, that's that's how dedicated I am to this stuff and and racing. And, you know, and I've 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 just I've supported this thing forever. But the reason it's been a bad deal this year is you know is because of this shifting thing and I can't rent, so it, it got me where I had to back off a little bit, you know.
0: Now, obviously, a lot of people who pay attention to the internet have seen over the last couple of weeks there was a photo floating a couple of photos floating around on the internet. Ricky Smith is going to go to a blower car. So obviously this will probably uh, reach everybody next Monday. But where do we stand because as I'm sitting in the shop right now, obviously I don't see a blower car here. I still see I still see a big old hood scoop right there. So what's what's the deal with the blower car? If if you can if you could talk about it.
1: Yeah, I can talk about it. it you know, Damon, it's 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 again I've always been in pro stock or pro mod, OK? Pro mod a long time. And, and I try to stay where I, you know, where I can afford to race, all right? When this pro mod thing comes along in NHRA, that fit my sponsorship and budget. And I, you know, I've done really good in that. You know, I've won three championships since I turned 60 years old over there, OK? So, and I'm still the winningest pro modified driver in NHRA, period. Still the winners. So, you know, uh, the reason the blower car we're we'll about, but the turbo car I've done there because they just kept letting it kind of dominate. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing okay, with, but when Troy and them would mess up, it'd give me a little chance to win, and back and forward, and I just got tired of having to run from behind, so I'd done the turbo thing, and then that turned into a disaster. Uh, that thing's got so much electronics on it every time we come back there was a wastegate bad or this was bad or that was bad well you can't be a driver tuner like i am and do that because it ain't nobody me and chad yeah okay i'm a two-man team most of the time yep unless i'm renting and i fly guys in but it's usually just me and chad all right it does all this work so how can i study or fix the problems on this electronic stuff when chad's just trying to do the normal maintenance between around I'm trying to fix what's broke on electronics that don't work and then go in and sit down and look at the computer and make a run call the next run. Well, you, you just can't do that. There's not enough time between rounds. So that just ended up where it wouldn't feasible for me to be a tuner driver on a uh, turbo car. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason that thing kind of went away. Well, I went back to the nitrous car, won a race of two. Johnson's won a race in my car since. You know, we've. Uh, Bo uh, Butner damn near won the second time out in one of my cars. He almost won la- year, last year. Yep. He went to the finals. I had both of my cars in the final in India. And we definitely wasn't the quickest car all day. We just maintained, you know, and that's what I try to give people a car to go down. So the way the rules got between the Pro Chargers last year, and they didn't hit them at all. Didn't do anything and the outrun us all five to seven hundreds. Now the blower guys are bitching, which is, I'm kind of sitting back, I'm mad, or I'm, I'm disappointed. I don't know as you say I'm mad, I'm disappointed in what's going on and not making some changes. But I'm kind of laughing in another way because the blower guys now are sitting back seeing what Ricky's fought for the last three or four years. Yeah. Now they're three and five hundreds behind. How you like this, guys? It ain't too fun you know when you work this hard and you just let a new combo come out that you don't know what the potential is so when you see it come out within two races you should hit it absolutely if it's out there again I run this four or five hundred hit it again what is wrong what I have asked what is wrong with a new combination having to qualify third fourth or fifth what is wrong with that why have they got to run up front yeah when you got blowers and nitro guy uh, uh, nitrous guys as a support this pro-modified, whether it's NHR or not, for 20 years. Why are you slapping us all in the face, the way I feel about it, and I know now some of the blower guys are feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Why are you slapping us in the face for supporting pro-modified all these years with a new combo? Hit the thing. Don't be scared to hit it, hit it. And if they don't like it, then they're going to build something else. But they're the ones that chose to come out with a new combo. So they shouldn't get mad not one bit. Mm-hmm. which they get mad when they get but they shouldn't they knew when they built this thing that they were going to get hit if it run good so don't be stupid about it you know just to fess up and say okay we're going to come back we're going to see where we're at again but that's where the blower car come in i didn't want to go with a pro charger i had a pro charger almost built and this and that and, and it was changed back and forward but uh i just didn't want to tune electronics and all on you know on the uh Turbocharger, plus they, they're they just breaking those turbo, those uh, prochargers right and left. I mean, if you don't, if, if you're gonna run for the points, let's say, and go to a national meet, you better have minimum three in the trailer, mm-hmm. if not four. But you better have three, or you may miss around because they're hurting them pretty good. You know, they, if you overwind them any at all or something like that, you know, it hurts them. So I, I figured, man, I can't afford to do that concept. So, Todd Tedderow, which only lives 30 minutes from me, we've been friends for a long time. We've helped each other back and forth over 35, 40 years. And uh, I went to Todd and asked him, I said, Look, if I build a blow car, you at me, because he's not running it. He said, Absolutely. We shook hands on it. He built a motor, uh, got the car done, I went and picked it up a week or so ago. And uh, we went to Dalton last Saturday, Friday and tested. And I made three runs from first run right to 330. The next two runs, eighth mile. I had to set up as a screw charger. We run really good. I mean, the track was 142, three degrees, 91 degrees temp. I mean, it was like 3,000 feet down there. And we, we run good with the car. I was, we were, the the blower was down a little, Todd said. So he said, we need to go back home, figure out why this is down. But for what we done and what we run, I was really, really, really pleased how fast we went. And driving that thing was a it was what i thought it was it was exciting you know it, it was it's badass and things are yeah. they make just as much noise inside with your helmet on as they do outside and i knew that because i drove some six seven eight years ago overseas and uh, i enjoyed it and we come home and uh todd come back over on that monday we, we rolled the car outside warmed it up and what we're going to do, we're going back-to-back his blower or my blower, just on the two-step. Because it was down significantly. Okay. So we, Todd said, we can find out what we want to know right here on the two-step before we go back to the racetrack. Mm-hmm. So he brings his blower over. We, t- we go out warm the car up, cut it off, let everything simmer in. And uh, I fired that thing up, wrapped the throttle a few times, put it in gear. And just as I decked it, I felt it kind of wanted to rib up a little, you know, I hadn't drove it enough to know, but I knew it was the motor was up Like I put my foot on a throttle, I didn't but I had my foot on the brake trying to hold it So I pushed the trans brake to stop and just as I decked it I mean it all happened just perfect together. I decked it and it just said doom I mean completely cut off like I hit the kill switch Well luckily for that it didn't backfire and kick the blower up mm-hmm. But it just shut off so I'm sitting in the car, and we got the front end off of it. We're outside the shop, you know, running. I looked out there at Todd, and he's looking around the front end. And he said, most of them might as well get out. I said, I, said, I just kind of giggled. I said, what's wrong, Todd? He said, the fuel pump locked up on it. I said, oh, how boy. do you know that? He said, I can see it already starting to twist up here. He said, it damn near started to spin it. Wow. So I get out. We roll it back in, get in there and, and pull it apart. And sure enough, the fuel pump is just dead golden. <laughs> okay throw all that material through the fuel system when that's you got it so we took it all apart took the fuel tank out of it and all Todd took it back he's got a cleaning that. he put the tank in it washed it out and cleaned there cleaned all the lines and and he left and I thought about it and I've seen these things break you know these blow cars I mean I've seen them they shut them off on the other end at those rods out. I th- <laughs> I just got back and, and especially with the sponsors Stuff I have right now, I appreciate what SoCal is doing. And Junior Michael Nim, 200%. But to run that car next year, the way I want to run, I would have probably meant, needed minimum another hundred thousand dollars. Well, I didn't foresee that happening. Okay, yeah. my sponsors have committed to next year. We're going again next year. uh gonna be a little different. It'd be a nitrous car. We can't say that, but I will be in a different body style next year myself. I'll still keep this car, but uh, we will be in a different body style and, and uh, we're gonna run nitrous whether hopefully NHRA keeps the rules where we can run right and if not we'll run where we got to run, you know, to, to try to be competitive, you know, and win races.
0: Have you noticed, I mean, you've been, you've raced all over the world. You've been in Pro Mod forever, and in obviously Pro Stock as well. Have you noticed that in both of those classes now it is primarily new body style Camaros? All right. As far as a driver, I'm sure you you know that probably doesn't bother you that much. Do you think it's detrimental to the class, whether it be Pro Stock or Pro Mod? that it's almost to the point for some people that it's it's almost like watching a nascar race it's (laughs) all the same and then i see i don't know if you saw craig sullivan's new car that he debuted last week that 49 merc and you've been around long enough to remember when the cars were really you know everybody named their cars and everything had personalities have we gotten to the point that to be on an equal playing field, everybody almost has to go, at least at the NHRA level, everybody kind of has to go with something like a new body style Camaro?
1: Absolutely. That's that's the whole problem. And, and pro-modified, I don't care. You know, I've t- I've talked with NHRA and whatever it is back and forth, and they they, they want to come up, well, the demographics and the, the younger people want to see the newer cars and all that. I think that's bull crap. You know, I think. People that enjoy Pro Modified enjoy, whether it's new or old, I would think 70% of them enjoy the old ones better, okay? That's what Pro Modified originated from, and when you take usually, whether it's a movie or what you do, when you reshow it and you try to make it more up to date, it's never as good as the original one. Exactly. Don't matter what it is. I mean, I whether it's a racing more. or it's a movie, it's the same thing. So, why fix something that ain't broke when you had all these cars coming, all these fans enjoying it? You know, I actually sat down and had, I called Josh Peterson and Ned, asked him if they'd stop by my trailer at Topeka, Kansas, and I think it was in 18, is when I had the turbo car. And, uh, I called him on Thursday morning and I said, I asked Josh, I said, Josh, are you here? He said, No, I'm getting off a plane here in, in, in uh, I think it was Kansas City, wherever they fly into, you know, which is about an hour drive. He said, I'll be there in, in an hour or so. I said, Would you stop by my trailer? I want to talk to you. He said, sure. So when he came in, him and Ned must have flew in kind of together, so they went the same. They come right out of the tunnel, I saw them, and they come straight to my trailer. So both of them come in and we we talked there a minute and I had the Mustang sitting out there. We're looking out the door with my trailer and standing inside and the Mustang was standing there and the and Belushi's um, new model Camaro was sitting in we were facing each other. And uh I pointed out the door and I said, You see that car? And I looked, at didn't know what I was getting. I said, You see that car? And it, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Which they're not gonna bet with a racer I said I'll bet you I I think I told him at the time I said I'll put up $10,000 or whatever might have been 20 I told him I said I'll put up let's just say it was 20,000 to 5,000 that when we get to Gainesville next year 13 out of 16 cars will be that car right there that Camaro. oh you think I said well we're already at 8 or 9 and I said, I know, just what I know is being built, I know of three more. I said, they're gonna be there. Yeah. I said, this whole class is gonna consist of new, it's gonna be like pro stock. They're all gonna be the same bodies, new I said, guys, we, I'm just asking, what can we do to stop this, you know? And they talked and this and that, you know, and so they left. So then we had a discussion over the Blue car there. They let the line come loose and throw the run out. And then I wasn't tuning in my car there at Topeka. Brad Personnel was, well, he'd forgot to put the right hex the right hex file in the program. Uh, you know, he took it over from Petty, and something. I don't know. I'm not saying anything about anybody. It just it kind of forgot to do. So NHRA looked at my car Friday night, and I was qualified, okay. Well, they come they come and said, Dad. they said, well, I said, What's the deal? They said, I don't know. We'll let you know in the morning. Okay, well luckily I have my nitrous car with me. So I waited and we were supposed to run around, I think it was 11.30 the next morning, okay? Mm-hmm. So at 10 o'clock we we're sitting down there still and they ain't come to tell me, am I running this car, am I throwed out with this car? What am I doing? So at about 10 after 10 or so, I finally went to the trailer there at Topeka. And I sat down and luckily Ned and I think Jacob was there and Jim White, maybe there was two or three of them down there. So we went in the lounge and talked a minute, and I said, guys, what, what, what are we doing? I said, am I in or out, or what's going on? And they said, no, you're okay, you, you, you're all right with it. You know, I know what they were probably looking for. They probably went through the data to see if we was running traction control. Mm-hmm. Once they figured out that wasn't a deal, they knew it was a mistake, and they said, okay, your runs are out, but you can run it. I thought, man, it's hotter today and all this. And so we talked there a minute, and naturally I was disgusted because I, I didn't, we didn't do anything wrong, but we got our runs thrown out. So Ned spoke up to him and he said, "Hey, he said, you know what we talked about uh, the other day about the body style?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, we talked about that." And he said, "What would you build if you didn't have that?" And what what would you build? I thought a few a few seconds. I said, "Yeah, I don't know. I've had a '69 Camaro." I said, "Probably I'd build a '69 Camaro." And he jumped right up. He said, "Well, that's..." The reason we think if we done that, it'll just be all '69 Camaros. So I looked at him. I didn't even stutter. I said, "Ned," I, and I ain't being smart mouth. I said, "Ned, that's where you don't know what, exactly what you're saying." And he just sat there a second. And I said, "Here's what I'm saying. A '69 Camaro is no more out of the than that '67 Mustang I had. A '69 Camaro would be like Pete Farber's bird. I named all four or five. I said, and I, a, I said, a '69 Camaro wouldn't be no worse than." Jim White the Chevelle he wants to run. Mm-hmm. I said all these cards would fall in basically damn near the same aerodynamic program.
0: Yeah, like Bowman Bowman had that right. Chevelle or whatever it was. So I said
1: you know that's where you're not thinking right. You know that's that's what I'm that's what we're up against here. And they realized it and everything shut up and everything was good, and we went on. But I was so pissed they threw them runs out. I was gonna I I said I'll just run my Camaro. So I go down there and I warm it up. Jacob said, I'll be down there in a minute and take it in. I said, okay. So we go back. I get that car out, warm it up, getting ready to, you know, for it to run. Jacob comes down there. He said, well, I need to look at the file in the ECU. I said, sure. So we go inside, and I give him a file out of it. And he said, well, that's the wrong hex file. I said, no, it ain't. I said, hex file I've been running. Well, that ain't legal. I said, what do you mean it ain't legal? Well, that was not legal. You got to run this one. I said, Jacob. That, he said, "Oh, we done that this winter." So we got Graham, that EFI, on the phone, on the speakerphone, and Graham sat right down on the speakerphone and said, "No, we talked about it over the winter, Jacob, and you said that thing was so out of date that it couldn't run traction control, and you wasn't gonna worry about it." So it was, you know, as far as we knew, it was legal. Nobody said it wouldn't. So then he kept sending us out. I said, "Well, Jacob." How did this car run four races, I think, this year?
0: I remember meet that.
1: Me with this thing. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I tuned blue. Shoot first year. I said, he run Gainesville, Charlotte, wherever else. And I said, then I run this car at uh, Virginia. I said, I know we've run four races with this red box, EFI, with this hex file. And nobody said a word about it. And he just said, oh man. So I said, well, Jacob, it's your, it's your doings. you the tech guy. So now you want to throw me out in the middle of a race because I got the wrong X-File. It's the same file I've been running for since we, I, I was the first one to ever run an EFI on a nitrous car. Back around whatever it was, 11, 12, somewhere in there. But anyway, they wouldn't let me run it. I said, no, you can run your turbo car. It's not throwed out. It's just those runs are. I said, the hell with it. So I told Brad, I said Brad I ain't run nothing he said well yeah. I said heck with it hell with it I said Dave I, I am not running I loaded all my cars up we run Belushi's and, and I didn't run nothing up there I could have run anything, either, you know but I just said I'm you know if they're this bad about not wanting me to race then I don't want to race and that's what happened up there you know deal I've, I've just had instances with NHRA that really shouldn't have happened you know they should have said okay this X-File you've run forever, whatever it's run, you can run it here, but you got we gotta do something for the next race. Okay. There's no traction control to be used in it, so what are you looking for? Yeah. You know, you, you know it's all outdated stuff, y'all call it, but I'm an old school guy. I've never run a grid. I'll still run a 7531 box <laughs> in my car. It's in that car right there right now. And people laugh and look at that thing and even bickle them when they build it. Everybody said, Why would you run a grid? I said, Well, if you ain't gonna run traction control, why I need a grid. I said, all that box is doing is firing the coil. For me, everything else is through my ECU. Yeah. My timing curves, everything. I said, if you ain't running traction control, why do you need to run a grid? So anyway, that's my thought about the grid, you know, but uh, that's kind of what's happened, you know, through some of the stuff you know, with me and NHRA and blah, 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 but, but the blower car, the bottom line is on the blow car here, I made the call, I want to run that thing bad. But financially, I can't do it. And I'm not going to go back to my sponsors and ask for more money. I don't do that. So I'm going back to the nitrous car that I won all my championships with. I'm probably going to be the fastest nitrous car out there, still, quarter-mile racing. Somebody might outrun me a 100 or something every now and then. But I'm going to be right there, top of the line, with a nitrous car. And that's all I can do. It's up to NHRA to keep me competitive, just like it would if it was a blower car, turbo car so they got to get these rules right and hopefully they will and we can all get back and have some arguments and some good racing and some conflicts and i mean when me and troy had it going on and danny rode back in man we had interest in the class i mean we were getting on each other on the other end and i know i made some calls i said i'll burn that i'll burn that snowball down you know i'm talking about the transmission in that turbo car and all that i mean we had some good times me and troy are good friends right now if he comes to the racetrack he stops by my trailer and sees me I mean you can have and it ain't we wasn't serious when we was racing you know and get pissed off but you can do that and still be friends and, and, and do this deal you know
0: well and that brings up an interesting topic that I was thinking about this morning on my drive over here and I've had this conversation privately with some friends obviously you've been around drag racing longer than I have but does it seem like drag racing is getting soft to you? Like, everybody wants to be everybody's buddy, yeah. and there's you don't have that. <laughs> like Like, when I was a kid, it was Pat and Tony, and you never could tell if they literally wanted to kill each other uh, at the top end after running like a Pro Street run or something like that. And now I notice everybody wants to hug it out. Nobody you know. wants to offend anybody have we as a sport in whether it's pro stock or pro mod or whatever it is i mean even a few years ago in pro stock you had uh greg and erica taking jabs at each other and things like that and now it seems like everybody is kind of backed off yeah. of that yeah
1: they fra- i don't know what they're afraid of afraid their sponsor might take offense this and that well that that's part of drag race that's part of whatever you in sport you in football, do you not see them getting a fight there or getting mad? Or baseball, they run after to the pitcher and get mad, you know? And You know, you got, look at NASCAR. Them guys get out now yeah. and get swinging at each other mad, you know? But uh, the drag racing guys, and I'm daily talking to pro stock and pro mod, you know, because that's the school classes I have run. I mean, back in the day, I mean, me, Glidden, Warren Johnson, Ronnie Sox, you know, Lee, Lee Edwards, I mean, we had our battles. We had our damn near throwdown cussing
0: out <laughs> each other, you know, and I mean,
1: we have got out on the other end I know, and just been so mad we was ready to just flat go at it. And we go to that starting line, we may burn the other one down or do whatever we had to do to get mad. Back in the day, Buster, you know, the starter turned the tree on. It wasn't on automatic. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know when it's coming on. Well, you go up there and play a game with somebody, he is going to be dead early. Or dead late <laughs> once in a while he'd be normal but you had that rivalry going and you'd piss him off so then he'd do something different so it kind of helped maybe the underdog once in a while you know whatever it done but it made it different and it had the fans looking to see well what's Rick and bob going to do this time what's Rick and warren going to do this time or what's you know me and socks had a ton of mattresses i mattress joe lapone and grumpy jenkins's car years ago, I mean, I've had a lot of fun mat racing and having arguments and, and stuff like that. And that's, I mean, knock on wood, we're not the cars that go out there and just blow up, turn over, do all that stuff like funny cars. That's excitement for people. Mm-hmm. Our cars, if we don't bring that to the starting line with us, we don't have that excitement for the people. So I don't know why everybody wants to go up there and just, like you say, just because if you go up there and have a little, then they want to go around to the pits and get all the buddies together and say, well, he's a bad guy. He just, he just races like that. He does a, oh, are you kidding me? Del Arnold run around behind you, he didn't have to touch you. He's scared you'd, you'd wreck sooner or later because he's riding on your bumper. You was watching him more than you was a racetrack. You, you were know, concentrating so, more on your opponent than yourself. Yeah, and I've won a lot of races through my career before I ever left the trailer. And not just me. There's people just come up and just laugh and tell me about it. I said, "Man, he was beat before he ever left the trailer. He just falls right in that game. Or they do this or do that. That's part of the the deal that the fans want to go see what's going on. Right now,
0: we're almost like a bunch of super gas cars. Do a burnout, stage up and go. Would it be more interesting if we got rid of auto start again and actually had a starter flipping the switch and They
1: definitely make it interesting especially because yeah, with... you see that in in top fuel and funny car i think he still does that because they want him to just in case something goes wrong he can wait a little bit you know One and uh and you see sometimes some long lights over there i watch it oh yeah i'm thinking man they said they sat there for a long time before he turns them loose and i don't think he's doing it on purpose but it's 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 great you yeah. know i think it's great you know I, I i got no reason to you know not to turn it back to something that way you go up there you don't know in two tenths or three tenths of three years gonna come on for sure
0: what do we need to do to get more people interested i mean it, it used to be the entertainment value of drag racing you had i grew up in an area where you had broadway bob was putting on shows at great lakes Dragway, and you had a lot of entertainment value um, and a lot of it was the rivalries. You had the, that was your guy, just like you did in NASCAR right. in the 70s and 80s. That was your guy, or you know, that was your girl, whatever. You're riding with that driver and that car. We don't have, I see that now in the the no prep street outlaws type of stuff, <laughs> but I don't see that in, in NHRA. I don't see that in NMCA. I don't see that other places. So how do we get the entertainment value back? Without, obviously, making it more difficult on the drivers, like for you and Chad, being a two-car team, we don't want to make it more difficult or more costly, but how do we bring back entertainment value to get asses in the seats? Well, it's just like you said. Look at the street outlaw thing.
1: And I'm not throwing off on them guys. Oh, my I, I, audience already knows how I feel about well, that. Anyways. I know a lot. Of, yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of them, not personally, but I've seen them race. I've seen them try to run with us. I've run with them back in the days, or they've been around. Those guys can't qualify where we race. Period. And I'll say that to them, anybody to their face. They can't come and even qualify in pro modified. But they can go over there and pack the stands more than NHRA can with a national meet. It's, it's crazy, I've been watching it. But what that's all about is the TV show and Discovery Channel. Yep. Well, people like to see dual cars. Absolutely. They like to see nitrous cars, boil cars, turbo cars. they like to see that. NHRA has got the perfect class right now to compete with that, and they won't show it on Sunday with a regular program. That's to me, is where they're losing their value there's nothing wrong with fuel and top fuel, nothing. Nothing wrong with Pro Stock and the bikes, but you need to figure out how to bring at least the semifinals and finals of Pro Modified in on Sunday. Our TV show showing three and four weeks later is nothing, because everybody's already watched it on NHRA TV live. Mm-hmm. You know that's one good thing we have for our sponsors. It is live. You know if you're on that internet thing, you know it's 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 social media. But for TV, if those guys in Street Outlaw were only on social media, only on the Internet, they absolutely would not have the people in the stands they got now. The reason they got the people in the stands they got now is because they see them people on TV. And they want to go meet you on TV. Yep. I know because I've been through it when I was on TV a lot back in the day. People want to come and see me. I ain't no different than you or anybody else. I put my clothes on, britches on one leg at a time. I don't jump in them with both legs. I do this like a normal person. But they think when they see me on TV, I'm something special. So they want to come and see me. And that's what NHRA's got to get is they want to come and see these pro modified drivers. And if they would do something to get us, at, we need at least the semifinals and finals on there. Maybe not first round. Maybe get all three rounds. But you got, they got to figure out a way to throw us in. They ain't, when they're over here interviewing whoever, Joe Blow, while this guy's running or they take 30 seconds or a minute to go over here and interview this guy and that guy and that guy, people watching racing are not interested in hearing what I got to say, John Forrester got to say, they ain't got, they ain't interested in that. They might want to hear one out of 10 times. Okay. I'm not saying not totally, but they don't want to hear that crap. They want to see the racing going on. So quit them interview crap out and put some pro modified in there on Sunday and show the people something. So they want to come to the racetrack and meet Ricky Smith or Stevie fast or whoever, you know, they want to meet these guys. That's what draws the people in the stands. They want to see
0: somebody that they saw on TV. Did NHRA drop the ball when they took over Pro Mod from RPM?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I mean it I ain't was... saying they dropped the ball. Here's what they've done. They took over. We were having 32 car fields, mm-hmm. turning cars away. Yeah. You, had to have, you even had to be so many points to get in, to get in the thing. I went through that. The first couple of races they went, even though I supplied it all, they come up with this points thing and it come off with some of the sportsman stuff and this and that. I, didn't, I had to wait sometime to the third session. There was like six, six different deals you, could, you, know, you had to wait on.
0: Yeah, the grade points.
1: Yeah, I was down. I was a lot of times when it started, I was like third or fourth in the grade points. I'm sitting out watching this thing, trying to get in it, you know, and I was sitting out doing it. So we all had to do it to get, those, get in eventually. But what I'm saying is they took that out; they just opened the door for anybody to come in. So you think, oh man, this thing's going to be flooded, and that's what they thought. Yeah. But the same time they done that, they added about 13 000 to 15 thousand dollars worth of safety stuff to these cars. Well, they're not going. Keith Haney's crowd; it runs the Midwest. P.D.R.A. crowd, the Northwest Promont those type of people are not gonna come in and put 15 pounds in their car spend that kind of money to come and let's say they want to run two or three races a year yep so if you come down here you maybe you got the pdl crowd wants to come in you got three or four cars you pick from you go out west or in the mid-east you, you know you lose them too but you pick up three or four out of keys deal they want to come and run They can't do that no more they're not going to spend that money to do that you know and the safety stuff that they put on these cars i mean i know what we've done they put electric switches on them they've done this and that where they cut it. well we had all that on there we had the switch on the back when you went through the finish line if you when you went by that uh, the 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 deal down there yeah, the auto side the auto or thing or whatever, it yeah. cut the car off if you hadn't cut it off it had it worked off for air it cut it off so there's your safety thing the tunnel they put in these things stupid amount of money they took I know because I and I get a decent deal out of pickling them. But I took my car up there before I picked this new one up. My other car, when I was picking this one up, I, Chad took all the wiring, the lines, all off the frame rails, all that stuff. Because you got to go in there well if you do it right, and you can book it up and pop rivet it in and do all that crap. But you know, I want the thing done right with Zeus's and tap. We done all that up there. Chad done a lot of the work taking that stuff off putting it back on I still when I left there cost me thirteen thousand and two hundred dollars to get my car updated for NHRA next year are you kidding me so essentially they're pricing people out yeah in a way the price is one thing but just all the bullshit like all that tunneling and all they made us put in that is totally useless totally useless because what they've done it for one somebody a 400 transmission blew up or something like that, and it sprayed oil all in the car. I've been 47 years out here. I've been running Linkos a long time. We've always had a blanket on them from the time I ever remember. We had a blanket on the Linko. A 400 transmission is an aluminum case. I don't care what kind of spec it's got, what kind of SFI stickers on it, or who put it on it. <laughs> Why didn't you have a blanket on it? hmm all they had to do was spend five six hundred dollars put a blanket on the 400 transmissions we're all ready to go but they made us put all that tunnel in now it surrounds all the heat in the car it's so hot you're trying to get stuff cooled down between rounds it's just it's, it's something that absolutely did not have to happen and all this stuff that they done If they just left what we had alone we had rules we had everything fine if they'd have left that alone, they'd probably got some more cars. And then when they come out with the automatic shifter rule, done away with that this year, that just really killed it. That didn't kill me bringing some cars in. So that, you know, what people say out here, they, oh, man, if you can't shift these cars, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. If a guy will take a lie detector test, I don't care who's driving these cars, me, Stevie, uh whoever, I mean, Jim, whoever wants to say, if you'll take that lie detector test with me and sit down and say that it's safer shifting or auto shift and you say it's safer shifting, you will see they are flat line. They are flat line. That car is absolutely safer on auto shift than it is shifting. Because there's so much, these cars are so fast trying to get to the 330, and mm-hmm. the eighth the mile. If you ain't dead on top of what's going on, and that's what I proved to Jonathan after he knocked the cones over a couple of times at the 1,000-foot, luckily he didn't wreck the car, and I stressed to him, I said, Jonathan, if this car ain't within one foot of the groove or less when you go by the eighth of mile, cut it off. You're not going to... That thing, would you go past 900 feet or whatever and got wheel in it, and it's plowing, you can bet that car's going to spin out on you before you get to the finish line. It is, it's not a pro stock car. And it, the second time he done it, that's the last time he done it. And uh, Bo Button about done it. And I tried, And then after he about knocked the cones over at the finish line, the second time he went down, he quit doing it. But I said, guys, these cars got no spoiler on them, got no wicker bill on them, a quarter of an inch. Pro Stock's got three quarter. I said, we don't have no downforce on these cars. And when they turn loose down there, they're, they're powerful enough, they'll blow the tires off at 1,000 feet where a postdoc car won't hardly. I said, you can't do that. So it's just stuff like that is, is where the automatic shifter is so important because it's staying on that same pull. Mm-hmm. It's no different than to a top fuel funny car. The driver is the one that's got to get off the throttle, it ain't about where it shifts. If that thing's over here against the wall, you need to quit. You don't need to, you know, because what's happened? We lost two cars. We actually lost three at the very first race of the season at Gainesville. And if the truth known is because the auto is because the shifting rule. Scrubs and Brandon Pest. both of them out of the groove. Probably 90 percent of the time, or let's say 80 percent of the time, they made that run. They'd get it back. Yeah. But now you're over you out of the groove, you're shifting, and you when you shift, you may jerk the wheel or you may do this, or you're focused more on that shift light than you are exactly where you're at on the track. And once you get just a tenth behind driving these cars, you you're done. So those cars probably wouldn't have wrecked if it hadn't been and I've talked to both of them. They probably wouldn't have wrecked if they'd have had the automatic shift, because they'd either realize they were way too far over. And they'd quit or they'd have got it back quicker than they did. And that's the problem with these cars. You can manhandle these things a little bit to 400 feet. You can jerk them back in the groove and do something with them. After that, you better start finessing them pretty good. So you've got to be within the first two seconds of that run so alert of what's happening in these cars. And that's what I've told Jonathan and, and Bo, and I explained to him. You've got to be ahead of the car. And what I'm saying be ahead of the car is you got to feel it in your butt. That car sometimes ain't going yet, but you know in your butt it's fixing to go. You feel it starting to pull one way or the other. And you better be ready to correct it or already starting to correct it as it's starting to do something. But if you're focusing on that shift light, you ain't feeling that in your butt. So it's it's all about being able – a driver's got to feel what's going on in his butt as much as he has looking at the racetrack. Because a lot of times you'll feel it here before you actually see it there. And that's what's so important about these cars is, if you don't stay ahead of them driving, you're either going to abort the run or you're going to wreck the damn thing.
0: Now, you obviously started with Pro Stock. What was your first, your first year running at a professional level? How long ago was that? How old are you? I was born in '76, so I'll be 45 (laughs) this year. Well, I was I was running
1: professional for you or winning championships damn near before you was born. (laughs) So, and that was in pro stock, correct? No, pro mod. uh, 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 Shoot, it's modified. It was uh, super modified. Okay, super modified. I started racing in '74 i started uh, basically what i would call running the circuit in 75 and we got into this super modified which was built and in ihra is a heads up no breakout it was a miniature pro stock class is what they were trying to do okay. for the guys that couldn't afford to run pro stock it was a heads up no breakout single four barrel you know type deal
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh i had a camaro and a boy around here at home had a camaro and i got to drive driving here some and his dad was Keith Fowler, which was a country music promoter right here in King, that booked Conway Twitty, Loretta. He'd done all the bookings in the Coliseums. He would go to the Coliseums and book shows for Okay, So Keith had Loretta, Conway. Keith wanted to actually help bring Alabama out of, out of, out of Myrtle Beach. I think he actually bought the buses and rented it to them so they could get started. Mm-hmm. So Keith had, like I say, Oak Ridge Boys, Loretta Lynn, Conway Twitty. He had a lot of the major players back in the day. And that's the reason uh, that was the name of his business, Country Shindig. And that's what was on that Maverick, was Country Shindig. And then when we, you know, that's where I started was then. And we, Jack Roush and Wayne Gap built the car. That thing was built by Jack Roush and Wayne Gap. We come out with that car. We missed the first race. We come out with it. We ended up winning. We had a lot of trouble breaking re-ends and all because uh, Jack was trying to run the NASCAR gears in the back and they wouldn't stand the, the drag race torque. So we finally got all that straightened out, but we ended up winning the championship the first year with it. Pretty much dominated it after we got, I think, I may be off a little bit here, but back in we had to run national meets and points meets to win championships. Well, that was about anywhere 15 to 18 races a year okay Okay. so I think the first year I probably won and this is not no joke it's in a book, Ford had a book, it's at my house but anyway they had a big hard book out and I got all that history stuff for Ford but uh, let's say we had 18 races I think I won like 13 of them okay and the next year let's say they had 18 I think I won all of them but two And we had Herb McCandless, which had Mopar Plum cast a cylinder head for him to run this class. That's how Bob Mopar was getting the parts. They cast a cylinder head for him because you couldn't polish the heads. They done a cylinder head for him. We had Tommy down at Gene Fulton's. They had a Camaro 69, I think, or 8. They run that class with us. You had John Bray up in Virginia, which has a big engine building place at the time, Bray's Automotive. He had a car, and he was badass. Uh, He had a lot of cars in that class. But we had some major players. And it wasn't like I just run over a bunch of sportsman guys. We had some major players in that deal. And I just dominated the class. And damn IHRA didn't do away with it.
0: So in the, let's say, 45, 46 years that you've been at the professional level, whether it was IHRA, NHRA, or even, you know, PDRA, Midwest. I mean, you've pretty much raced everything right. that there is to race. Who would you say you enjoyed racing against the most out of in all of your years of racing that you looked forward to racing, maybe because you were always wanted to I've obviously right. you always want to beat everybody, but right. somebody who really you really enjoyed racing against?
1: Well, you know, in my main area, I guess you would say, I've been lucky enough to be out here 47 years doing this, 41 for 11. Uh, you know, I've got to race a lot of legends, you know, and, and people that are, are going to be legends someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you always kind of look back to your maybe your middle age or younger age deal to do that. You know, and, and the, the guy that, or the, you know, it's hard to say one guy. There was probably three that I enjoyed racing. Man, we had our arguments. We had our starting line games. We just had throw down, knock down times, drag racing. But it was Bob Glidden, Ronnie Sox, and Warren Johnson.
0: That, that's a hell of a trio right there. Right. Uh, For anybody who knows anything about drag racing, that's that's I mean, literally, you add yourself to that and you're looking at a Mount Rushmore of (laughs) of door cars at that point. Uh, Was there anybody in in your 40 plus years? Is there anybody that you just like if you look at the sheet when you're done qualifying and you're going to be lining up against? Is there just that one person? They just can't stand or over the last 40 years that. You know, you you knew that it was just going to be, whether it was going to be a shit show or you just didn't like them so much that you didn't want to race them type of person. Was there anybody that stands out that you're like, oh, not this shit again?
1: (laughs) You know, I don't know if it it would be one person. You know, uh There's been several, you know, like I say, between Glidden and Warren and and Sox and Troy Coughlin, I mean, you know, in my later years. And, you know, you got Stevie now out there, you know. And, I mean, you know, I I can't say as one person that I hated to run more than another one, you know. There's probably five or six that, yeah, you hate to race because you know they're good racers. But as far as Warren better than, is Glidden worse than, there's one worse than Stevie or blah 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 back and forth no I, I I don't look at any probably the top five or six guys that I would would speak of that I hate to race worse than the other one Matt, naturally you hate to race a guy first round or the first two rounds that you know is' capable of winning that race you yeah. know so uh,
0: it, there's not one that really sticks out if we talk about all of the drag racing since Let's say from the 50s up until today. Would you say that Ricky Smith is one of the top drivers? And excluding nitro stuff, I'm not talking about that. Door car stuff. Is Ricky Smith one of the top drivers in the history of our sport? You've been listening to Scorched. Scorched. Raw, Raw, real, real, and unfiltered. Join us next time when Damon scorches it all again. To find previous episodes, news, commentary, and event coverage, head to E3 Extreme. There is no one better.